Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode today here on the Growing Green Podcast. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings, and I am so excited to be coming to you today with another fresh new episode in 2023. It's the new year. It's crazy that we've already made it this far and uh, excited to see what this year has to offer. I think we're going to hopefully ramp up the podcast here, keep getting some great guest interviews on today, and that's exactly what we're going to have for you today is uh, we have none other than Andy Mulder with Mulder Outdoors joining us today. And Andy, how you doing today, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me, Jeremiah. I'm excited, man. This is one that we've been working on for, for months and months. I know the <laughs> the projects you were on, man, had you swamped and crazy, and we'll get into that some today. Uh, if you've been on Instagram, you've probably seen Andy's project. It was absolutely insane, uh, insanely awesome, super cool to see somebody with a voice like you uh, getting to do a job like that and, and learn and teach and grow other people for it, uh, from it, hopefully, in the future. So, well, man, thanks. Uh, I, there's no agenda for the show. We were just talking. I, I don't really have an agenda for where I want it to go. I just want to want to hear a little bit of Motor Outdoor story and kind of how the the contracting business got started, and then just the process of over the years of building the machine that you've built now and, and leading up to a project like you just done. We're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and talk about this whole project for the whole show, but it, it's something that doesn't need to be looked over either because if your if your business isn't built on the right foundations, then there's no chance you do a project the size you just did. And, sure. and that's the that's the sense of what I want 2023 to be about is just growing and building those right foundations and, and making, making sure your businesses are set up right from the beginning. And, and hopefully you can share some, some insight with us about your business on that today. So just take it away, man. Tell us a little bit about how uh, you got started in contracting and then kind of how you built your business. Yeah. So I've been in the green industry, so to speak, for, um, Going on 21 years now, I started working for another landscaper guy that went to my church. Uh, I started working for him when I was 15 and uh, ended up, you know, obviously part time and stuff and then ended up staying with him full time after high school. I School wasn't really my thing. And I really loved working outside and, you know, really just fell in love with landscaping. So yeah. ended up working with him after high school full time until uh, I worked for him for about 13 years, I would say. And then in uh, the end of, well, the 2013, um, I started doing some stuff part-time and on the side for myself. And that was strictly a need of, uh, I wanted to do more for my family. wanted to have, you know, of course, the um, classic more freedom, uh, which, you know, naturally just automatically comes when you own your own business. You get all this freedom. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Yeah. And um, it's an honor to have you listening. And, and then I went full time uh, April 1st of Don't 2014. The so the business so start was officially started in 2013. Um, but I didn't go full time until um, April of 2014. And then yeah. it was just uh, I, I hired my first employee day one. I, uh, I never I never was completely by myself. Um, and I think I, I wasn't really, I knew that I couldn't do 
what I wanted to do by myself for very long. It's very hard to do landscaping um, and hardscape work. And we were doing ma some maintenance at the time and we still do maintenance today, but uh, I knew that I couldn't do everything by myself. And so the first thing I did was I hired um, an employee, you know, he started with me the day I started full time. And, um, and then we, we started with maintenance two to three days a week and we we're doing landscaping and hardscaping the other, you know, two to three days a week. And it's just slowly growing from there. We're in a business now for, this is starting my ninth year, I guess. Um, well, April one will be the start of my ninth year, but, um, yeah, it's just been, uh, it's been a wild ride. We we've, we've, uh, you know, I, I, I think we've grown pretty slow, but then sometimes I look back and I'm like, Holy cow, how, how have we gotten to this point already? And so, but that's how it goes, I guess. Right. And when you're in the middle of it, you mm -hmm. think it's taken forever. And then all of a sudden you're, you feel like you've done something really cool and it all of a sudden it's happened. The days drag on, but the years fly by. That's, yeah. Right. There you go. That, that's a good way to. Yeah. To so I, it's just been now, we've just slowly grown. We have, now we have, uh, four full-time guys and then we usually hire two part-time guys. Um, so last year we had, um, we had, yeah, four last the whole season we had four full-time and then we had two part-time and I've been about that size for three years now. We really haven't grown staff wise any more than that, but our, we've been able to grow our company sales wise, um, exponentially year over year consistently. And, that comes from a lot of investing in equipment and um, and just some of the jobs we've been able to take on and the the, the branding we've been able to do and, and the customer service allows us to, um, I guess you could say, charge a little bit more money. Charge, and uh, I don't claim to be the cheapest guy in our area by any means, but we try and give some of the best work around and uh, but that isn't free, you know. Yeah, so and that's paid off for you. But the, if you're doing the best work for the best clients, they don't want the cheapest. That's that's just the way that's it goes. Right. Like they don't. That's care. right. So yeah, and it wasn't always like that. I mean, again, it's it's this is all it's all a process to get to where we're at, where where we are currently. And I'm not saying you know this is where we're going to stay, but um, in the last I would say four to five year four years, um, it's really just been a, a constant. Um, uh, just growth, you know, slowly growing every mm -hmm. single year and changing how we're doing things and investing in new equipment and allows us to be more efficient and, and be more profitable and uh, all those things. So, yeah, no, that man, I think we could spend three hours just unpacking what you just said there, but we're not going to do that today. I do want to go back to what's something you said though. And you started working with, uh, somebody, how long did you say you worked with that guy? 13? 10 years? Something? About 13 years. 13 yeah. years. Okay. Yeah. So this is something that's always intrigued me. And I've even thought about this myself. So if somebody was like in the beginning of their business or that maybe they were thinking, Oh, should I start a business? Should I not? What is your insight? What did you take away from working with that guy for 13 years? Do you think that like working for him allowed you to start your own business? The amount of stuff that you learned from that, like as opposed to just being fresh out of high school, let's go learn how to hardscape and run my own business. Like now maybe you don't do it for 13 years, but maybe you do it for a season or two working for somebody else. I mean, what do you think you learned from that experience of working for somebody else, learning the trades and learning the hardscaping and all the stuff that you learned there to then be able to take it and then take on the risk of running your own company? Yeah, I think I would never do it differently than how I did it. Frankly, I, I mean, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Oh, I should have started three years sooner or yeah. whatever. But I, I, you know, I believe that um, 
working for someone else prepared me for, I mean, it taught me the basics. I didn't, I mean, I started when I was 15. So that was really one of the only jobs I ever had was working for him. Mm -hmm. And so that taught me everything about, you know, the, the, the field of work. Now we didn't do near as much hardscaping work as what we do now. But, um, I think that if I was to give anybody advice, if they're super green and have never done anything before, I think you should go work for somebody first because one, you don't know if you really love what you exactly. think you love. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from my previous employer, good things and also things that I wanted to do differently. Mm. Um, I learned, you know, he, he was a very patient person and now the more, the longer I'm in business, the more I appreciate his patience and his calmness. He was never one to fly off the handle and um, I know a lot, I'm sure lots of people have worked for somebody that has a temper or gets upset easily or whatever. And, and now having my own business, when there's things that come up that, um, that frustrate me or work, get me worked up. It's like, you know, I, I, I can very quickly go back and remember times when I screwed something up or when I totaled the truck or whatever, I mean, crazy stuff, I all kinds of stuff. I messed up. I, I laugh now. It's like, man, I can't believe I didn't get fired. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that just, you work for somebody for that long stuff's going to happen and oh, stuff's yeah. crazy stuff's going to happen and, and how you react to it uh, or how your boss reacts to it or whatever really can make or break. I, I think that working for him uh, encouraged my career. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I didn't yeah. want to get out of it because of how he was. I think, you know, I, I, I thought saw something this morning, something about, you know, a huge percentage of people leave their job because of poor leadership mm, yeah. and uh, not because of anything else, strictly poor leadership. And I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why I stayed at doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing now and have grown to love it so much is because I'd worked for somebody that was um, someone that was easy to work for, you know? Yeah. And, um, and what a, you think you took, a, I think another thing you could say you took away from that and, and correct me or expand on this if you want to, like, not only did you learn how to do the things like the actual work, but it's like, you're saying you learn how to be a boss. Like you, you worked for somebody and you saw the good and the bad. Like for me, right. I've never had a W2 job. I've never worked for another employer. So like that is almost like a, a bottleneck for me because I'm learning how to be an employer every single day. And like, there's good things and bad things that I do, but I have nothing to compare it to. So I right. think that was that something that you think you also took away and you kind of hit on that, but I mean, well, how absolutely. big do you think that is? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, um, I probably would be a different quote unquote leader in my business if he was a different leader. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, you know, there's some things that he did that now that I own my own business, I think back of how it was there and I'm like, okay, well, I don't like that. And now this is my company. I want to change that. Yep. But again, if you have no experience in anything, not only the task, but also um, who you're working, you know, you have nothing to gauge it against, which, you know, I don't compare myself to that in any way, but still there's a lot of lessons to be had and going to work for somebody and being under else, someone else's, um, someone else's leadership and, and, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Just guide. Just, I mean, uh, it's just, they're just guiding you to me. I mean, that's something. Yeah, that... Right. And, and just, I mean, <laughs> I would have probably made a lot more mistakes in the beginning if I hadn't worked for somebody before that. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I think it could propel you. That's that's why I'm thinking about this, and I've thought about it a lot. It's like you work for them for a season or two, and how many seasons of mistakes could they save? Could those could that save you? Like yeah. you 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 forego the one or two seasons, one or two years of owning your own company, but how many years and how many dollars are they going to save you in the long run? Right. By and that's the same thing else. I could say. That I could say the same thing about finding a really good mentor too. Even if you work for somebody. I really think I, I had a huge blessing of, of meeting a local guy around me that has mentored me um, and ha- has really changed my business for the better. And so, you know, that's the same kind of thing, like finding someone that you can bounce ideas off of that you don't know anything about. Or uh, again, it's saved. It has saved me, you know, not only working for somebody else, but then finding someone that owns their own business that's willing to share some of their failures. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, this kind of thing right here, this yeah. podcast is something that, you know, any any kind of podcast where you're listening to other people and listening to things that they've failed at is always going to better you and save you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and screw ups, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. You also said you hired your employee on day one. I can relate to that because I hear a lot of guys that are solo for three, five years, and then they hire their first employee. I don't know how yeah. to relate to that because I never worked alone. Well, I take that back. Right. I worked alone for about two weeks, and then I quickly was like, nope, this isn't happening. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm hiring a guy, and, and I've had an employee with me at least one ever since that day. What do you think that did for you and your business? Do you think it uh, – made you grow up quicker? You think it matured you quicker to be a better employer? I mean, what does that look like for you? And, and also like, do you think it's allowed you to take on bigger jobs having that other person there as well? Yeah. I, there was no question to me that I was, I never thought I was going to try and do it myself. Um, I think that if, if you're going to try and really do something and, 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 you know, it, if you have goals of being bigger or whatever you want to call it, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Enough of us do too many things, you know, try and wear too many hats as it is, let alone try and get all the work done by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I, I wasn't that scared about it because, you know, I hear a lot of people like, I'm really scared to hire my first employee. You know, how do I pay him? Blah, blah, blah. I I don't think, I think I had, I was, you know, the foreman, so to speak at the last company. And so it wasn't, I wasn't worried about, you know, how to, how to have work for people as far as like telling the day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. Um, I had great help from my wife and my, our now finance finance manager, who is my sister-in-law as far as like setting up payroll and all that stuff. Cause I, I remember about four weeks, five weeks. I don't remember what it was before I was going to go full-time. I think I was like, okay, we, I got to have somebody. It might've been more than that. I don't remember. Anyways, we had to decide basically was, was I going to get workman's comp right away or was I not? Well, if I didn't hire anybody, I didn't need to have that stuff. But then once I decided that you got to have all these things in place, I, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't need to be paying anybody cash and all that stuff. It's the terrible way to do it. And if people get hurt on the job set, you got to have workman's comp and all this stuff and you got to have all that set up, you know? So having help with that, again, comes back to even, you know, the mentor, as far as asking people to help you with things that you don't need and, and, and having those right people in your corner helps ease the stress of some of those things. Um, and so I, I, I don't remember a time in the beginning where I was like, I, I wasn't that scared. I was just like, I 
want to start my own business and I'm not going to do it myself. Yeah, so let's yeah. get someone going. Yeah. I can't even imagine doing landscaping by yourself all the time. I just, <laughs> no. I know there's guys that do it. I just, I can't, I can't imagine. I agree. I would just get too lonely also. Like I, I right. just don't want to sit there all day by myself. Like, well, and I had, I, I knew I was going to have to have two trucks and how am I going to get all the stuff there? And, mm-hmm. you know, I had, a, I had bought a Bobcat and, you know, you have all this, it's like, how am I going to do, I can't do all this stuff myself. And also from a safety standpoint, and still to this day, I hate sending guys out by themselves to do anything. Yeah. Because yeah. in this field, you can get crushed. You can smash your hand. You can do anything you want to do. You can imagine doing to yourself. And if you're by yourself, it's extremely unsafe. Yeah. No, I mean, I can attest to that. I, we were, I messed up my hand with some hedge trimmers two years ago and that's, I, luckily I had guys with me and he was able to drive me back to the house so I could get my wife to drive me to the hospital. Like if I was alone, I would be sitting right. there one handed trying to wrap myself up and then make it to the, to get to the hospital. That's it would have right. been, been a mess. So that's yeah, right. I, I agree. You should always try to have somebody with you or really definitely have somebody on speed dial for somebody. To come well, yeah, because like I, I had the same kind of thing. It was probably five or six years ago now. We were trimming bushes at a guy's house and I was trimming the bushes myself and I had two other guys cleaning up and I trimmed right through a beehive Mm. and got stung like, I don't know, 30, 40 times all over my face and body. And at that time, I didn't know I was allergic to bees and I started going into anaphylactic shock and swelling and itching and I didn't know what was happening. And I would have probably died if somebody wasn't there to drive me to the hospital because the homeowner wasn't home and those kinds of things like it happens in an instant. Yeah. We're not, we did, I mean, we're all of a sudden moving into this, but you know what no, I'm saying? No, like it, we can go there. Cause you don't prepare for it. That's the thing. Like it, right. it's something that it's just having those, those systems and procedures in place. That's something that you should have as a, I mean, we're talking about building a good foundation of your company. That's what we kind of started with. And that's something that right. could be easily overlooked. I feel like. Right. So hundred percent. I, and I, again, I, I really, there's been, I can count on one hand how many times I've sent a maintenance guy out to do some kind of maintenance task by themselves um, strictly for the reason that, that of that, like yeah. you could cut your toe off. I mean, just the craziest stuff. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, you I, just I, never know what's going to happen. That's yeah. that. You just can't predict the future. It's as simple That's as right. that. It's yep. as simple as that. So when you, when you brought your guys on full time, did you, were you able to keep them year round? Do you lay your guys off? What does that evolution of the business look like? Cause that's a big thing with people when they, they bring on full-time employees. Well, what are we going to do during the off season? How are we going to keep them? Things like that. So what is, what does your sure. model look like? Uh, so now it looks way different than it used to look. Yeah. Um, the first winter we plowed a little bit of snow. I have never really, I, we did a massive amount of snow where I previously worked and, I was really like, I was trying not to do any snow removal and I was going to do some home improvement stuff and whatever. Um, I plow snow now, but, um, uh, so we did a little bit of snow the first year and really I hired my employee. He was, um, just out of high school. And I said, listen, like, I know he, I mean, at the time he was still living at home. And, um, I said, you know, this is, I, I, you know, I have enough work and usually we'll keep somebody busy eight to nine, nine months a year. Yeah. But then in the winter, it's going to slow way down and there's really no guarantee of work. So communicating that up front is key, first of all, in my opinion, to everybody that doesn't guarantee work in the winter is you need to communicate it when you hire them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we would do shop work. And I mean, he maybe worked 10 to 20 hours, but then when it snowed, we would work more. And now that I have four full time guys, um, uh, 
last year, I've never talked about this anywhere. I've been, it's, we've, this is the second year we're doing what we're doing now, but we might as well talk about it. So I start, we, me and my finance manager came up, I went to her and I said, listen, like one of my guys came to me and said, Hey, how much work do you think we're going to have this winter? Cause if not, I really, I might go and work at a restaurant over the winter and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, that stuff scares me because yes, if they go does. somewhere they might like and it they better. like it, yeah. then all of a sudden they like it too much and they don't come back. Man, I thought about the same thing like with Amazon. Like you could tell right. your guy, go be a delivery driver over the holidays. Well, then they get there and they're like, well, they pay me pretty good. I drive a van. So, I've, yeah, right. I'm in the same boat. So, like I've kept most of the time I keep the guys busy if it snows. But then there's been plenty of winters where it doesn't snow. And, yeah. you know, it, I eat up shop work really fast and you get two or three guys doing stuff in the shop and Stuff that used to take me all winter now takes me like two weeks with yeah, four guys. Yeah. Um, so, but anyways, last year, me and Stephanie sat down and was like, okay, how can we come up with some kind of winter um, salary or something to yeah. help the guys through the winter, but also um, gives me the freedom I want to have if I want to have it uh, and keeps them around basically. Um, but then if it snows a bunch, they, they get compensated for the work that they are doing. Cause so in the past, whenever I would, somebody would do snow work for me, they'd get paid time and a half, no matter what Mm -hmm. straight, just time and a half straight time. Um, didn't matter if they were working at one in the morning or one in the afternoon, because it's, it's a, it's a higher demand, on-call position and I expect them to be able to come into work any time of the day or night, basically. And so I'd pay them, I would always pay them time and a half for all snow work. Um, so what we came up with is basically a semi, uh, a semi salary, uh, pay structure. So what happens is they get paid 20 hours a week, all winter long, no matter what, whether they sit at home every single week, all winter long, or they, or if, or if we have work. Yeah. Um, the caveat to that is if they work, if they come in and work 20, they actually come in and they work 20 hours. I'll always give them that extra 20 hours up to 40. So that, so if they come in and just work 20 hours in the shop, I'll pay them for the 20 and I'll add 20 hours to it. So they get 40. Okay. Okay. But if they come in and work 30 hours in the shop, physically come in and work, I'll add 10 to it. So they never, they never are getting paid. They're never going to make more than 40 hours mm-hmm. unless they actually come in and work the 40 hours. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's kind of, it's hard to explain on paper. It makes sense. No, no, no. That, that makes total it. sense. So my only question, so how do you do the reason I, I'm actually glad you got into this? Cause this is something that I've looked at. Like my guy that's working for me right now, I'm keeping him salary through the winter because for the same principles of just, you don't want him to leave and go somewhere else. And then, come back in the spring and be like, Hey, when are you coming back? Oh, I actually like this right. job better. So what right. do you, so how do you handle like, so they're going to get paid the 20 hours, no matter what, is it just kind of an, un, a, an unwritten rule or like, what is, uh, if you just, how do you keep them coming in? Like if there's, if you run out of things to do, I mean, do you still want then them? Then I to, just tell them to go you home. Just I let tell them, them I don't. Yeah. Like the last two weeks, uh, they haven't come in one day, one, because I want to, I usually try and take the week of Christmas off. Yeah. And then last week uh, my wife was in the hospital the whole week. And then, um, it was new year's and whatever. Yeah, I just yeah. said, you know, what, guys just stay home this week. Uh, and so then they stay home, but they still get paid the four. They still get paid the 20 yep. no matter what. Yep. Uh, and so again, this is all communicated 
prior. And, and also I gave them every winter they get to choose whether they want to choose the partial salary option or if they want to just get paid when they work. Uh, so, so here's one thing that they sacrifice by doing this. If they sign up for the partial salary, I will not, they get paid regular time for snow work unless they work more than 40 hours. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're giving a little bit and I'm giving a little bit mm -hmm. because that way we all meet in the middle. So if they decide they don't want to do the partial salary part of the deal, then I'll pay them time and a half for snow, but they may only work for snow then. Yeah, yeah. So like we haven't had snow now for two and a half weeks. They wouldn't have made any money at all. Yeah. Do any of so, them opt out of it? Do they all? No. They, yeah. Everybody all. does it. Yeah. Now this is, I've never had four people on it. Last year I had three people. My foreman, my one guy uh, goes, used to go back to Mexico every winter. And so I didn't really have to worry about him, uh, but now he's here full time. And so whatever. So um, let's talk logistics. Do you just budget in everything, all those, the salary to the winter where you're not, do you just budget to into your pricing throughout the season of like, hey, this is going to be unbillable time essentially is what they're going to be for 20 hours. I mean, 20 hours a week, right. that's 80 hours a week you're paying out for two months. Do you just factor right. that in throughout the season? Yeah. Yeah. And I need to, I, and really it comes down to no matter what, I need to make sure I have that amount of money sitting in the bank prior yep. to winter Yep. because there's no guarantee of me making any money in the winter. Exactly. So, um, so I need to make sure I have, that a minimum of 80 hours a week, basically for all my guys, a minimum of that. But then if I decide I need to have some shop work, it really makes the most sense for me to pile up shop work into, um, full weeks mm -hmm. that, that I quote unquote, save the most amount of money or get the most, not save, but like get those bang for I get your buck. The, Yes, if they work 40 hours. Yep. If they come in and actually work 40 hours. Yeah. Or I keep them home and not do anything. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. So um, either way, I have to shell out a bunch of money. Yeah. But I, I do that for them, and they have all really liked it, and it well, guarantees them 20 hours a week of pay all winter. Um, this is what last year was like, I've never heard of anybody doing this in my life. And I thought, you know what, let's just try it. I know I'm about to shell out a bunch of money to them for potentially not doing anything. Yep. But in the middle of July or the middle of April, I could care less about that because I want these core guys here. Exactly. And it's, it's a drop in the bucket in, in the you end of the day. You so. just, you just add it into your pricing and that's just part of business right. at that point. I mean, right. I, I'm in the same boat. Like it's not worth it as, as I'm, I'm in the beginning. I'm, I'm still pretty small. Like it's me and I've had th two guys work for me the last year, but we brought on a new guy this year and he's, he's rocking and rolling. Like, I think he, we can really grow the company with him. And I'm like, I'm not sacrificing him by laying him off for the winter and, and maybe going to find another job. It's just not worth right. it. So I, I right. will I will make that sac sacrifice, but it's an investment to me. I mean, it's an investment. That's right. That's right. And it really, it's just the cost of th – this is the career that we've chosen, and yeah. we don't want to lose these guys. Now I have th three of my – let's see. One guy's been with me for coming up on nine years, two guys for five years, and one guy for three years. And I don't want to lose these guys and they're the core group. And now part-time guys don't have this option. I'm not going to give this option to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, cause I mean, 
of course, I could get to the end of the winter and two of my guys could quit and I just basically gave them free pay all winter for nothing. Yeah. But you know what? That's the risk of doing business. That's it's right. just yeah. it's just w- welcome to But you build a you, you build a team. For. I mean, that's that's why you build a team that trusts you and then in hand, in turn you trust them. That's the thing. Right. I mean, like, and it's but, just a risk and but you know, it worked out good last winter. I didn't really question not doing it this year. Um I feel a responsibility to my team, um, especially these core, you know, these four core guys. I feel responsible for them, yeah. and it's not their fault that I don't have work in the winter. Exactly. Um, they came to me for a job. They have families. I want to provide a living wage and a and a a, a career. A, I want to create careers. You know, the, the landscaping industry doesn't need to be a bunch of just fly by night guys and everybody has ripped shirts and you know, looks like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I want this to be a real, uh, I want the guys that work for me to have a real, real career. And that doesn't mean they have to be the owner to do that. A hundred percent. I agree. And and it's guys like you, it's guys like that are listening to this podcast that are going to change that industry, change the industry as a whole that are doing this because the way I look at it and, and it's, this is a stupid, simple analogy, but it's like, when my guy works for me and he's out with his friends and, and they say, oh, where do you work? I don't want him to say he works for Jeremiah Jennings. You don't want him to say he works for Andy Mulder. You want him to say he works for Mulder Outdoors or Growing Green Landscapes. Like, he's working a career for a company. He's not just working right. for a guy, like, doing some half-butt, off-the-cuff thing. Like, that's not – That's right. And that's not the – but the sad thing is that's what the industry has been. Like, that's what, it's, yeah, that's right. what it's been. And so we're having to totally change that and transform it. And uh, super, super cool to see you're doing that. I'm glad to hear that about the salary because I've kind of been like nervous because I, I don't know of anybody else doing it. Like you said, I don't know of anybody else doing that, but uh, right. it's, it's cool to see that I'm not the only one that, that we're kind of doing that together. So getting into hardscaping and landscaping, kind of transitioning back here, um, what kind of barrier does that look like? So when you got into hardscaping, things were probably, I mean, obviously equipment was a lot cheaper. Things were probably materials were a lot cheaper. I mean, they were still expensive, but nothing like what they are today. That barrier to entry of hardscaping is like, I've heard it said, uh, I was talking, I don't know, a year probably ago with uh, Jamie Fee of Supremescapes. And he was saying, he was telling me, he's like, dude, if you're going to get into hardscaping, either get in or get out because it's such a barrier to entry to have all the right equipment, like to, to do it efficiently and effectively the way you do it. Yeah. What does that look like for somebody that would want to be starting that today? Who's thinking starting hardscapes? Because I've even toyed with my, like in my mind, like what does that look like getting started? What would, what would advice be? that you would give to somebody who's looking to get into hardscapes of like, Hey, do you play with it for four or five months and just dig, dig trenches with shovels and, and do wheelbarrows? Like, do you do that? Or do you just say you go all in and you, and you rock it? Well, guys, thanks for tuning into the show today, and I'm so excited to be bringing to you a new live event in our industry. It's called Synced Live. It's the second annual event, and it's going to be on February the 6th and the 7th of 2023 at the Cobb Galleria in Atlanta, Georgia. Some of the leaders that are going to be speaking at this event from our industry are Jim McCutcheon, Deborah Cole, Mike Haynes, Jay Worth, Joe Langton, and many more. There's literally probably 10 more on this list that I'm not even reading, so there's going to be a ton of value packed from speakers there. There's also going to be education topics going on in and around the booths at the event. They're going to be talking about recruiting and retaining employees, innovation, automation, and the ROI of automation. There's going to be tons of stuff on that. 
There's also going to be 70 plus vendors. Now, you don't want to go to the trade show and not see vendors. So, like we said, 70 plus vendors. There's going to be vendors pertaining to porcelain paving, natural stone paving, walling systems, smart measurement, robotic mowers, tech, software, everything in between. It's going to be full of full of value and full of great vendors and exhibits that we get to go look at and try things out for our business and see how we can make our businesses better in the future. So, like I said, it's our second annual event, Synced Live, February 6th and 7th in Atlanta, Georgia. The 6th is a half a day of the show. The full day is on the 7th on Tuesday. I can't wait to be a part of this. I can't wait to show up and be there and network, hang out with all of you guys. This is my first year going. If you've never gone, if you didn't go last year, make it out this year, Atlanta, Georgia. It's well worth your ticket price just for the education alone, not even to mention all the vendors and things you're going to get to see and the networking you're going to get to do. So come out and see us in Atlanta on February the 6th and the 7th at Sync Live, Cobb Galleria. We can't wait to see you there. Now let's get back to the show. Well, I think I think it depends on what kind of business you want to run. Um, I mean, we rented a lot of stuff uh, and I just slowly have been buying equipment. I'm constantly buying stuff. But if you're, I, I would have to tend to agree. If if you're just going to dabble in it, uh, you should go work for somebody for a little bit and make sure you want to dabble in it because it's yeah. too expensive to not. Um, there's also guys out there that are willing to take on a bunch of debt and go and do that stuff be, be, because you can make money being like with not a lot of, equipment i think but mm-hmm. you're you're gonna get burned out really really quick and it's gonna be hard field. to keep guys i feel like yeah like if if you're not mechanizing and invest in equipment to make it reason you know more reasonable to do um i've done a lots of shoveling and lots of wheelbarrowing and i don't want to do it anymore yeah and i think that's some of the reason that maybe i've had some of my guys as long as i have is because they know if they go and do this anywhere else around me it's going to be harder Mm-hmm. Uh, I can guarantee it. Nobody around us has the equipment that we have to make to make this job as easy, quote unquote, and fun as what we do. Um, but again, back to your question, I think that um, I, I would have to agree. You you need to decide if you're going to really do it. Like I had, for instance, like I had a small uh, walk, small walk behind compactor and uh, you can do hardscape work with it, but you know, you got to only, you got to do like one inch lifts, like small amounts of stone at a time and keep compacting it as you go up. And then finally it was like, okay, like this is ridiculous. I had rented a, a big reversible plate compactor, uh, which you can do, you know, 10 inches of stone at a time, which saves a massive amount of time. Yeah. Um, and it does a better job. Well, the compactor I wanted to buy was eight at the time, $18,000. It's like, well, how much do I, am, am I going to do this? Or <laughs> yeah. what, are we doing yeah. this? It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to get out of this business in the next five years. So I'm buying this compactor. So I, you know, I'll never forget my, I I got the compactor delivered and I put it in my garage and, and I was like, well, we could buy it. My wife was like, well, we could probably buy a car for what that compactor <laughs> bought. I'm like, yeah, we could. It just doesn't go as fast. Yeah. All right. This thing goes a lot slower. Yeah. Than the car. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, I just bought something that at, I mean, that was at that time for me was a huge investment. Um, and it, it's a huge investment, but, and it only does one thing, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but totally specialized. I, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it just compacts stone and dirt and that's it. Like, and it doesn't go fast and it's, that's it. Um, but it's it just, again, I wanted to stay, I want to stay in the game and you know, you invest in those pieces of equipment and I'll have that thing for the next 10 to 15 years. Mm. And, um, and it helps us do what we need to do. But yeah, I think you can start, 
again, we started from nothing and I started and we haven't gone, we've, we run our business completely debt free. And so we started with nothing and have slowly grown to where we're at today. Yeah. So I don't want anyone to think that you can't do this without minimal things. Cause you can do it. It just takes longer and you have to be prepared to put in a lot more handwork and it can be done. But long-term, if you're going to be in five years or more, you need to, you need to invest in some equipment because you're going to get burned out way too quick. Remind me, did you convert to debt-free or did you grow debt-free? I, we, I never, so that was one of the reasons we decided to start our own business was I knew that if I stayed where I was going to at, where I was at and potentially maybe buy his company or whatever was going to happen, I would have to go into debt to do that. And so that was one of the reasons we decided to start our own company was the only way to do that would be to really start from nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have never had debt in the company ever. That's um, awesome. And now personally we have not, we, we started on the, you know, we started, we went to Dave Ramsey financial fees university when we were probably our second or third year of marriage. Uh, and then that really completely changed your life. And so we were debt free except our house going into starting the business and then started the business and have been growing it completely debt-free since then. And uh, I have no intentions of ever going into debt for anything for the rest of my life. So Wow. That's awesome, man. It's, uh, yeah. Everybody has different views and opinions on it. You that's right. do whatever works for you. Not one isn't, quote-unquote, better than that's the right. other. It's, but it's, that's right. it's really they're, they're, cool to hear I, that. I, I, I try and say that more and more now. Is like I don't want anybody to think that that's the only way to run their own business. This is how I've run my business and how I want to grow it. Yeah. And I don't look down or think anyone's dumb for doing it a different way than me. Mm. Um, there's plenty of people that are ultra successful and they have um, taken on debt and used debt. And this is just how I've decided to do it. And if you want to know about it, I'll happy to tell you how we've done <laughs> it, but I don't need to force feed it down your throat. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Has, is your wife involved in the business at all? No, I, well, other than listening to me yeah, every listen, day talk about it, and that, then she's involved right there. Yeah, just that's being right. married to you makes her involved. So <laughs> that's right. That's hilarious. Well, all right, so let's get caught up to this year. So we go back to 2022. This is I know this has been a two three year process working on this job, and so tell me short story, short short version. I know you don't want to get into the whole thing about this big project that you just finished uh, this past two months ago or whatever, right at Thanksgiving. Just walk us through that. Uh, tell us the short story of what it is, and then I want to kind of unpack it just a little bit. Yeah, so it's a, a, a whole house landscaping. Basically, we redid an entire um, home uh, that lived that was on a golf course, and then we built a uh, a huge, I guess you could call it seawall or whatever. It's around a basically allowed the golf course uh, and this homeowner to bring. Um, make the a pond that was near the golf course much larger and near his property. He's one of the owners of the golf course. And, um, and it was all, it's also a huge, uh, uh, focal point for the golf course. And, uh, we built waterfalls and there was like 2000 tons of, uh, natural stone used on the job. And we have about, I think it was about 6,000 man hours working in, in it, working there. And, uh, we, started February 20 something and of 2022. And we finished right before Thanksgiving this year. And, uh, yeah, it had been about two or three years in the making as far as first time I met the client to designing. And then the project was pushed off a year and, uh, and then it happened and everything kept growing and it got bigger and bigger. And, um, 
it's just uh it was a project of a lifetime and i'll i don't know if i'll ever do something of that magnitude again it's not because i don't want to but strictly yeah. because it's it's so rare <laughs> yeah um, especially all I, I can't even time. That's yeah i just that's... i can't even i can't even think of uh something like it that i've seen yeah and, and that we did it consistently you know we stayed there and just kept doing did your very, i do want to get into it but like did you guys did y'all ever not just look at each other and be like i hate this place like go into it no, every single day like no and you know you would think that um and i was waiting for that moment to come and i've lots of people you know have said are you burned out yet or um or you sound burned out or whatever i mean of course there were hard days but I, there was a couple things that I think made it not be like that. Um, one of them being we had really great people to work for. Yeah. Um, very much. Um, they weren't uh, overbearing in any way. They don't. They they weren't there every day. Uh, we communicated really well. Um, they appreciated the work we were doing and appreciated like it wasn't about how much it costs. It was how, what do we want and how is it going to look? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that gave us a lot of creative freedom and basically it was anything. If we had an idea about doing something and I pitched it to them and they liked it, they typically went with it. Yeah. And so that, that, that created, that allowed us to be creative, creative in a way that I've never been able to do before on a project because mm -hmm. again it wasn't about the money it was about how is it going to look and what do we want and i think that that the client contractor relationship there was one of the best i've ever had and i think that was one of the main reasons we didn't get burned out um or hate going there or yeah. whatever um i also think that where we were at in our area geographically um, I think you would call it that the, the, the subsoil that we were working in is almost all sand uh, there. Now you okay. could drive 20 minutes North and be an all straight hard rock clay. That makes a big difference. Um, that makes a huge so, difference. Yeah. So, you know, we had two days in the entire time of working there where we couldn't actually work the entire day because of, it was actually raining all day. Mm -hmm. Now there was plenty of times where it rained all night or all weekend or whatever. But at that site, when it would rain, the second it would stop, it's like working on a beach. It doesn't, you just go back to work. Yeah. Nothing sticks. You're not tracking mud all over the place. Um, it's very nice. There's challenges to working in sand. And I learned a lot there too, but um, I've worked in that area enough over the last, you know, three years, I would say I've done jobs out in that area that now we've really, we know how to work in the sand. We know how to structurally build soundly in the sand. Um, and it's just, so, so that, you know, mud and wetness and weather can be a real big uh, factor in getting burned out on a project. Like when you're doing a project in November around here and you're in clay and it's mud every single day and it's cold and it's wet and everything sucks. They, that you That's get burned right. out really yeah. fast. Yeah. I mean, for the guys, you know, like it's just, uh, so I, those two things are probably the main reasons. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it was so big 
but I, I don't regret doing it. And well, I, I feel don't. like it's so big. You could almost like, if you got tired in one spot, you could say, well, let's pause here and well, let's go work somewhere else. Like, yeah, that's a, a part I didn't think of or remember like that. That's true because there were, we were switching things. We were switching tasks a lot. Uh, the pond part of the project was almost the pond wall and everything was almost a completely separate job than the house. Mm-hmm. There was, weeks where we would work in the pond for two weeks and then we had to wait for somebody else to do something. So then we'd go work in the house or, you know, it was just a series of a bunch of jobs. Yeah. It just was at the same spot all the time. Yeah. Um, so yes, I would completely agree. And I, I yes. So those yeah. three reasons I would say is the client and the relationship we had, um, the site conditions, and then just the fact that it was so big and we had so many things to do. Yes, it was overwhelming, but um, I got to a, I don't know. I, there was times when I was overwhelmed and like how, you know, I knew of everything we had to do, but I tried not to overwhelm my guys with that too much. Like mm. not like reminding them of all the million things we still have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a mental game for me. Um, if you're not the type of leader that can, you know, compartmentalize your brain in a way that, cause I mean, we are all our worst critics and the, you know, we can all make ourselves worried, you know, for no mm-hmm. reason, yeah. not really for no reason, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Overwhelming. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just thinking too much. And I just had to really just concentrate on one thing at a time and a job like that. You have to be really careful about doing everything in the right order. It was very easy to think about too many pieces, too many, too many, um, too many things that we had to do. And then, and then because of that, you do something in the wrong order. Like it was very, a lot of variables involved. That's right. Like everything had to be done in the right order. And if you don't do every single step the right way, you know, two months from now, we're going to be screwed because we did this thing the wrong way. And so sometimes that was, again, that is on me, not so much my guys, but um, just remembering that every single Every single step mattered because we were trying to build, you know, what I've called as a landscape masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and it's it's too easy to cut corners sometimes when you're in a hurry or you think it's going to get done next week. Or well, and when it's again, such, it, when it's of such magnitude, you're like, okay, this is never going to get noticed. Like it's not like look at this whole project. Like we can we can skimp here. It'll be all right. Like you, I feel sure. like you could very easily talk yourself into that, and then like you're saying, you could screw yourself in a month or two. Right. So exactly. that's that's cool. It, uh, go back to the beginning, maybe not the beginning, because I know I know you get a lot of questions like, "How do you bid this?" How? Because I've listened to the lives, I've listened to the other podcasts, and people ask you that, and I, and I know you're like, "Okay, I've, this was a multiple step process." So I'm not going to ask you how did you bid it. My question is: Were you scared, terrified, cool as a cucumber when you thought to yourself, "How on earth am I going to get a job of this size?" produced how am i going to get all of the contractors because i know you bid i mean you subcontracted some of the stuff didn't you You do the the waterfall all the waterfalls were subcontracted and then the um the only other subcontractor i was responsible for was uh we had to put in a big drainage catch base and i ended up subbing that out just strictly for time reasons okay so otherwise the rest of any other construction work that happened there or gas and electric work um, that was all the responsibility of the homeowners. Okay. All right. So that does take a little bit of a uh, little catch your breath a little bit. So, but so did you know the waterfall Were you connected with them beforehand? 
Like, did you know? Uh, I had, I knew, I knew the owner of the company um, for a couple of years and I knew that he had started his own company and he had worked for somebody else before. And, um, but we hadn't talked in probably two years, but I knew the work that he did. I wasn't, I didn't shop that around at all. So you knew going in when we build a waterfall, we can at least, I know I can call this guy and he's going to do it right. Yes. Well, the waterfall, the, all the waterfalls there are 10 times what I thought they were going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It all grew and it was strictly from ideas and suggestions and talking through it and deciding and asking. And it just, it completely changed. Uh, it was such a, the project just kept evolving. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, initially, I was going to do the waterfall originally, but it was only going to be one, and it was not going to be anything like it is now. But anyway. So I guess my question is, take those out of the factor now. Just My question is, like, bidding it, yeah, you did a step, multi-step process. Was there ever a time where you were just like, how, like, at the beginning of the project, like, can we do this? Like, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to produce this big of a job? And, and it's just because... People's dreams are to grow big companies, to do big jobs. Like this is a dream that, I mean, this is a job that many business owners like literally will dream of for the rest of their lifetime and never ever do it. So like you have the, you had the opportunity and the position to do this, but I think very easily you could have been like, okay, no, this is way too scary. This is way too big. I don't think we can do it. You should probably find somebody else. Like what did that look like to you? How did you navigate that? Or, or you might have just been cool, like, oh, we got it. We can do it. And that's just the type of person you are. Maybe that's maybe that's how you did it. I just I want to hear your take on that. What is what did that look like? Um, or feel like? What did that what did that feel so, like inside of you? Like initially it was just the house and um I knew it was a big job and I was excited about it. And and really that part of it, like I wasn't scared about the size of the house mm-hmm. and what we were doing there, which is a huge project in itself. Um, and I think that I wasn't worried because I had communicated with the customer that it's that we're a small company and I don't plan on adding more people to do this job. I, this is just going to take, it's just going to take, it's going to take a year. And they had, yeah. I mean, I, I just had to communicate manage i i think what we do as business owners is we overcommit all the time and then that causes us to be stressed and it causes us to be worried because we didn't we said that we could do something in a time frame that we really couldn't yeah does that make sense yep yep i think that we do that all the time and so i think that's maybe the reason that i wasn't overwhelmed about the house house part of the port of the job initially because i had managed expectations i said you're probably not going to have a backyard use your pool at all this year. Mm -hmm. It's just going to take that long. And then the pond part of the project came into play in January. And um, when the house part was already half was, was, it was a done deal. Right. And then the pond part of the project, which is a giant project in itself, then that came into play. And uh, I was like, like, yeah, I was extremely, you know, worried and overwhelmed, but at the same time, it was, again, it's just how long is it going to take us? Mm -hmm. And is the client willing to wait as long as it's going to take? So you were always confident in your abilities to produce the work and do. Yeah. I knew we could do it. Yeah. It was just a matter of how fast do they want it done? Yeah. And are they willing to wait that long? And so again, communication, like, okay, 
I want to do this. I know we can do it, but we were going to do your house, but now you want us to do this. So I'm only one company and I'm only this many guys. So, you know, how, what do you want done first and how fast do you want this done? I told them, I would like to try and finish this by the end of the year. I think we can do it in one season. Um, it's just going to take the entire season and you just have to know that. Um, now as we went along, there was 23 change orders on the job. So that's 23 times work was added to the project. Mm -hmm. So that of course pushes time. Um, so as we got closer, I we're continuing, continually communicating like, yes, I think we're going to still be able to finish by this time or, or, you know, if, if it got to the point in the project where I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to finish this, then I would have said, you know, if, if the weather doesn't hold out, we're going to have to push some the next year. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all about communication. And again, back to them, they were great people to work for. They know how they've done enough projects themselves. They know how contracting works and how long things take. And, um, you know, you can't, I can't imagine going into a job like this with someone that has never done any kind of remodeling or <laughs> any kind of work yeah. around their home yeah. if they have no experience with that because things change and things come up and things take time and materials take a long time to get you know whatever so to say that i was super worried no i don't think i was super worried about doing the work yeah um it was a lot i mean there was a couple days where i was i mean definitely overwhelmed and yeah but in the beginning I, I was excited. I was more worried that to make sure that I had quoted the job correctly and didn't, yeah. and, and didn't paint myself into a corner on how I worded things or didn't paint myself into a corner on, uh, you know, quantities of things that I ordered, or, you know, there's a million things you could talk about with that, but it's just, I, and I've said this, I said this on, uh, I was on Craig Scheller's podcast and I, 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 I don't think we were, we would have been ready for this job even a year prior. Yep. Yep. I listened um, to that show and heard you say that. And I was like, that, yeah. that stood out to me. Like how much you can grow in a year. Yeah. I, I really don't think we could have, uh, uh, staff wise, uh, experience wise and financially, I just don't think I could have done it. Um, I just, uh, you gotta be careful on some of these big jobs and you gotta be careful I, I speak like I have so much experience with big jobs. I don't have that much experience, but it's just no, like, but, but you do these have experience. I've, yeah. You have experience of the, some people that a lot of people don't have. And I think like, correct me. Am I wrong here? This job can either make your business or break your business. Like you oh, can, yeah, your business could go out. It could go under with this job. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and honestly, it was a huge risk for me. And right. I, I don't know if I would advise somebody to go and do a job this big. Uh, unless like if somebody was asking me, I'd want to know, like, I need to know your company's financials because yeah. I mean, there would be guys that would probably, that would have probably told me prior to this, like, you're not ready for this. And maybe I wasn't, maybe I should have had, you know, more, more reserves in the bank or whatever. There's a lot of things you could dive into that, but yeah, I felt like I was ready. I knew my client, I had the proper kind of deposit and, um, Cause I mean, you literally bought equipment for this job specifically. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I had, I bought a $200,000 excavator to yeah, buy this for, for one job. job. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, 
there's just a lot of things with that that you really have to evaluate. And it really, again, it comes down to the right customer. It was the right person to work for. Yeah. I knew who they were. I knew that they were respectable and stand up people. Um, Cause again, you can get into these situations and if you get the wrong person or you get screwed over, you got to be able to have the backbone to either handle it or you're going to go out of business. Yeah. That's good. Two final questions for you. We're kind of already going over time here. I, I don't want to hold you. Um, one thing is what we asked all of our guests this, and then I got another one to follow up with. We asked all of our guests this. It's pretty simple, but it can't be complex. It's just, what is your why? What is my why? Yeah. Well, I, um, it's kind of the same reason why we have lived our life debt free is, um, I want to change my family's tree. And I know that comes from Dave Ramsey, but I think that, yep. um, I want to do this for my family and I want to do this. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I want to be able to make money and in, in a way that I steward properly and in turn changes my family tree, but also I would not, it's not just about me. I, even in the last two or three years, I've really like, I want to give my, my guys and people that work for me, I want them to have a career and be able to win at, in life yeah. by working for me. Does that That's make awesome. sense? Yeah. Um, it's just, I, there's a huge responsibility by employing people. Yep. Um, they trust you and, and we talked about that earlier, but I, th there's in the last two years, we've been trying to really raise wages and do more of that stuff. And it's, it's such a joy and honor to see, look back at the end of the year and see what they've been able to make and be like, man, that is so cool. Like that I would, when I was their age or, you know, where I used to work, I would have dreamed to be able to make something like that. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just, um, I do it for my family and I, I do it for my team and, uh, and ultimately, you know, glory to God. So that, uh, that's an awesome why I love hearing it because a lot of times they can be similar or the same, but they are, everyone has their own twist on it. So that's why I like asking that question. This yeah. is a, this is my last one for you. And, and you might have the right answer out of the top of your head. It might, you might not. It's what is the top piece of advice or one thing that you learned from this job that you would, that you would expel on somebody else? From the, the From project we job. just finished? Yep. That's a, that's a um, big one. I know it's hard to pick one on the spot like that. And, and maybe a couple. Or just what's your what's the biggest thing that stuck out to you? Of Just like, hey, if we did this again, or hey, if you're going to do this in the future, or or whatever. Or just business. Maybe it's just a business tip. Whatever whatever yeah. you think you took away from I think it. I think, you know, not – I'm just thinking. I, I, I really think – if you're going to do something like this, you need to make sure it's the right person that you're working for. Um, I think that you need to do your homework and you need to make sure that you want to spend that much time with them and you like them and you like their spouse. And, um, and because, because not only are you have to do the job and this goes for any large scale project, um, not only do you have to do the job, but you have to continue to answer their calls 
for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're going to be involved you in their life in, for if, a while. If, if you, if you want to stay in business and you want to continue to grow your company and you want them to tell their friends, you need to, you're married to that project. Yeah. And, um, I would say there's probably one client that I've worked for in the last five years that we've done large scale projects for, um, that I, in, in hindsight, I would not go back and work for them again. Uh, but I, that situation, I didn't, that didn't start until after it was over, but anyways, it's just, you need to make sure you want to work for those people. Cause we can all get emotional and we all get amped up about how big a project is and, Oh, it's just going to be so big and it's going to be so cool. But in the end of the day, like you got to get paid and you got to make money. You, you can't do these projects and think that just because it's a big job that it's automatically going to make you money. Yeah. You may have been better off working, doing one job a day all year than working one job all year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, uh, you got to make sure that you're going to make money. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. It's, it's, if you don't get that stuff right, this is it all. It's a perfect way to end the show. It, it, if you don't have that right in the foundation of your business set the right way, then you can end up literally going upside down in your business, which is not what That's any right. of us want to see. And so, That's right. uh, man, I, I really appreciate you spending your, some time with me this afternoon here and, uh, prayers yeah. and, and wishes. Hopefully everything's going good with your wife. Glad she's home from the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, tell us where can everybody find you if they haven't seen this project for some reason, if they've lived, been living under a rock for the past year, where can they, <laughs> where can they go to see this, uh, whole project we just discussed and everything else you got? Uh, so on? you can find me on Instagram at Mulder Outdoors. Uh, we have a whole YouTube series we put up on our YouTube channel, Mulder Outdoors, and it's the building landscape masterpiece. There's 39 videos. Have you made uh, your final one yet? Or are you going to wait till the spring? Yeah, I, I, well, I did upload the final one, but. I, the final, final one probably won't come until next July because yeah. we finished the project in the winter, basically yeah, the yeah, winter. Yeah, and so everything, everything looked dormant and it just, it, it was kind of underwhelming for me <laughs> finishing the job. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. Everything. We just cut down all the perennials and grasses and yep, yep. nothing was, looks, no, you know, nothing looks I, good. Yeah. I probably will do like a final, final wrap up video and maybe do. Video Man, can you me. imagine that thing with the lighting and the pool yeah, and, and in the summer? That's going to be insane. Yeah. It's going to be something. I'm really excited to get real photos of it next year. And so, anyways, you can find, uh, find, you know, go back and check out our YouTube channel and all that stuff and MolderOutdoors.com. And, and tell us about your podcast. Hey, yeah. You have a podcast as well. Yep. The Molder Life podcast. Uh, I try and do a podcast weekly. I haven't done one for the last two weeks because of Christmas and New Year's and stuff. But um, yeah. So. I love Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I, I like I said, I really appreciate it. It's it's fun getting to network with guys like yourself, leaders in the industry who are just but you're just a normal guy. You're just out there getting jobs done, working every day, growing a business, growing a family, and uh, growing over, overall a successful life. So, well, guys, thanks for listening in today, and uh, hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, go give Andy some love. Go check out his projects there. Listen to the Mortal Life podcast. Leave us a big five-star rating and review for the show because that continues to help us grow the show so we can continue to grow the community one relationship at a time. So without any further ado, that's going to wrap this one up, and we look forward to catching up with everybody here on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green podcast. It is an honor to have you listening, and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.